So I know y'all think that everything up here just happens and everything just looks beautiful and all that, but really, Koi does all the work. Koi and those folks up there, will y'all give them a round of applause? Yeah, hey, there I am. Koi and Josh and David, all these folks, they do all the hard work and we just play around. So welcome. If this is your first time, we are so happy that you're here. I am the JV pastor here, the JV preacher. So uh, if it's not as good as what you expect, that's what you should expect. But no, thank you all for being here. We're really excited about it. Uh, I was also talking about the, the folks that are back here. David fussed at me. Everybody look at David. He's on the camera back here. Everybody look at him. He hates this kind of stuff. David fussed at me, said that I moved around too much. So if you see me kind of jet off this way, you'll know that I'm messing with David <laughs> just so that he's ready for it. So thanks again. Um, we're going to be, we're going to be in Exodus, Exodus chapter three. So I'll go ahead and let you guys be turning there. Um, and those of you Bible scholars that know what happens in Exodus chapter three, you're going to find it odd whenever I say that today we're talking about intimacy as all the air pulls out of the room. Today we're talking about intimacy. Now granted, this is not going to be a sexual type of intimacy. This is not an intimacy between a husband and a wife. This is intimacy in relationships. So regardless of what the world may say that intimacy means, this is what I think it means. Josh, will you give me the, uh, will you give me the first slide? Intimacy is a close, familiar relationship that occurs when we are deliberate in those relationships. So not just, not just something that happens, not just something that occurs, but when we are deliberate. So that means it takes action. That means that we have to do something. That means that, that we have to be active inside of these relationships. So that's what we're going to get to. We're going to figure out what all that means. So first off, let's read Exodus chapter 3, verse 1. One day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must Go see it. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, he called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses. Here I am, Moses replied. Do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals for you are standing on holy ground. I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. When Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It is a land flowing with milk and honey, the land of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites and Jebusites now live. Look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me, and I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abuse them. Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people Israel out of Egypt. So let, let's push pause right there for just a second. We're going to read a few more verses, but let's push pause. So what God did is just laid a huge task 
on his lap, right? On the lap of Moses, he just laid a monumental task, right? So the, the, the people of Israel, the Israelites have been there for roughly 400 years, right? They have become slaves. They are uh, uh, not in a good situation, right? And so what God just said is, hey, you're going to go down, down to Egypt. You're going to talk to Pharaoh and you're going to get my people out. Moses, being a man that understands things, having been in Egypt himself, he knows that's not going to be an easy task. That's going to be a hard thing to accomplish. Um, so I might have some questions. So let's also back up about Moses. Let's, let's lay some groundwork. So Moses' life is separated into chunks of 40s, 40 years, that is. So he had 40 years that he was a son in Pharaoh's house. So he was, he was basically a prince of Egypt. He had 40 years where he lived with Jethro and was in, in the land of Midian. And then he has 40 years after the Exodus. He has 40 years whenever he is leading the people out of Israel. To put this in context, you have two chapters, two chapters in all of the Bible that talk about Moses' first 80 years. So 80 years of his life takes up only two chapters. However, the next 40 years of his life takes up the rest of the book of Exodus, plus a little bit into Joshua as well. So I mean, you've got a whole lot of his life. So here's what I want you to hear with that. This is something that, I, uh, that came to me during the last service, and I want you guys to share it. That it doesn't matter what you had that went on in the previous part of your life, no matter what the rest of that is, it can be just a tiny footnote in your overall story. Is it, am I the only one? Thank you. That's really good. I'm gonna say it one more time just for y'all people that didn't listen. So regardless of what you had go on in the previous part of your life, no matter how many years that was, for Moses it was 80 years of his life that becomes a tiny footnote of his overall story. And that can be for you today. No matter what's going on, no matter what you've struggled with, no matter what you've dealt with, no matter what issues you face, that can be a tiny footnote from here on out because we're talking about intimacy from this point. Also, another thing you got to realize is that Moses has caught some, some pretty lucky breaks. He was lucky enough to be found by Pharaoh's daughter whenever his mother floated him down the river. He was lucky enough to be kept by Pharaoh's daughter. He was lucky enough to be in the house of Jethro, the priest of Midian, which means that he was probably doing okay. That means he probably didn't have to worry about food or anything like that. So he was fortunate enough for that. And now he's fortunate enough to be crossing paths with God. And so what I want you to know as well is that we here in this room, no matter, once again, no matter what your life has thrown at you this far, we're in pretty good shape. We are lucky compared to the rest of the world, just not only to live in this country, but to have the opportunities that we have right now. So don't think that you're any different or that, that Moses had more or had something different than you did because you guys are infinitely luckier than 99% than, than of the world today. So I, I wanna lay that groundwork. And I also want you to realize that Moses, this is not his first time trying to build relationships with the people of Israel. Once again, in the, in the previous chapter, Moses had gone to the Israelites, had tried to befriend them, had tried to build a relationship with them, and they pushed him aside. This was the same time that he actually killed an Egyptian and they ran him out. That's whenever he ran into the wilderness. So, so here's what I want you to know. Hit, hit my next slide, Josh. That intimate relationships with a perfect God is a prerequisite. That means it's gotta happen first to intimate relationships with imperfect people. So that's a whole lot. Let's read that one more time. So intimate relationships, close, good, familiar relationships with a perfect God has to come before as a prerequisite to intimate relationships with imperfect people. So Moses tried to build relationships with the Israelites. 
And it didn't matter because he didn't have a relationship with God. So regardless of what type of relationships you're trying to build with people, you're trying to build with your family, it doesn't matter because it's never going to be good enough. It's never going to be intimate enough until you build a relationship with the perfect God. So that's what I want you to know. And, and the very first thing, we talked about what it looks like. We've talked about the definition. Now we're going to talk about what do we do? How does this work? And the first thing is intimacy begins with proximity. It begins with proximity. Moses is, is shepherding a flock of sheep. He's leading them around the mountain. He sees this thing. He's attracted to this thing. He goes there and Moses is, is, is hearing the voice of God out of the bush. So he goes close and he says his name, right? So, so first off, we realize that, that God knows his name, just like he knows your name. He's, he knows you. So God knows Moses' name, first off. He gets as close as he thinks he should, and God goes, that's good enough. Stop right there. Take off your sandals, because you're standing on holy ground. What I want you to see here is that God wants us to strip away everything that's not him, everything that's not holy. He wanted created to be in direct connection with the creator at this place. He said, take off your sandals. I want the soles of your feet to be resting on this holy ground. I want you to feel me as purely as you can, not through your sandals, not through some man-made thing. So we have to get rid of everything that's not God, get rid of everything that's not holy and take it off so we can stand on holy ground, that we can have an intimate relationship with God. So that's, that's the first thing. If you, wanna, if you wanna just take an example, right? Let's, let's look through, we're looking at Old Testament, let's look at New Testament. If you just were to look at the book of Acts alone, just read through the book of Acts and count how many times the apostles and the disciples lay their hands on people. Say that they laid, when they laid their hands on someone, that's the point in which the Holy Spirit came. When, the, when they laid their hands on people, that was the moment of healing. When they laid their hands on people, that's whenever the power occurred. It's the proximity. It's the touch. It's being that close to touch someone. That's whenever intimacy happens. So here's what I want you to know, especially. Intimacy doesn't happen through Facebook. All right? Intimacy doesn't happen through Twitter. You can't have an intimate relationship with someone just through a social media site. So if you're trying to build friends, you're trying to build good relationships, you got to be close to them. Y'all, just like Rod was saying, we're on the backside of COVID-19. We've been afraid to be close. We've been afraid to be within six feet of people for over a year now. But God says you got to get close. God says, come, come close here. Come close to me. Let's, let's, let's get, figure this out. Once again, in Acts, you see Philip. Philip is, is seeing an Ethiopian prince ride across in his chariot, and the Ethiopian prince is reading from a scroll. He chases him down and he goes, do you know what you're reading? Do you, do you understand what you're reading? The prince says, well, how can I know? How can I understand that unless someone teaches me? You know what Philip said? He said, come sit with me. He said, let's sit down. Let's sit down together. Let's, let's read through this scroll. Let's have a better understanding together. And let me point you towards Jesus from what this scroll means from the Old Testament. And then of course, you've got Jesus. You've got Jesus in a crowd and there's a woman with the issue of blood and that even though there's all kinds of people touching him, even though everyone around is crowding and touching him, he stops and he said, who touched me? Who touched me? You know what was different about her touching him and everyone else touching him is that she was deliberate about it. She touched him for a purpose. She didn't just want to be close. She didn't just want to, want, to, want to smell him, you know? She said, no, 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 I need something. I need something, Jesus. I'm going to reach out and touch you. And that's what proximity is all about. Next is communication. You see, 
What we're reading here is Moses speaking to God. He's not speaking through some intermediary. He's not speaking through some priest. He's not speaking through anyone else. He's speaking directly to God. So what I love about scripture and what, what I love about this, this idea specifically is that if we, if we don't read Old Testament, if we don't read this passage through the lens of Jesus, then we've missed a whole lot, right? If you're not thinking about Jesus as you read all throughout the Old Testament from Genesis to Malachi, then you've missed a whole lot because that's, that's what he's doing. He's pointing a direct line. That's what God is doing here. He's pointing a direct line to Jesus through all of scripture. So if we believe John chapter one is that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. So Jesus being the word of God, then Moses is speaking directly to Jesus at this point. I don't know if that fires anybody else up. That gets me really excited. So if I, if I bounce a little bit, y'all just, y'all just bear with it. Communication is key. And Moses tells God all of his shortcomings. He says, hey, who am I? God, who, who am I? You're calling some shepherd guy to do this great thing. Who, who am I? The next protest says, God, I, what am I going to say? Like, what is your name? He's, he's pointing to his lack of knowledge. He doesn't understand who God is enough. So Moses is pouring out his heart to God saying, hey, here's all of my shortcomings. Here's all the things that I don't know and all the things that I can't do or all the things that I'm not capable of right now. God is listening to all of it and Moses is just laying it at his feet. So I want to take a second and, and, and we, we've been kind of heavy. So let, let's lighten it up just a second. So me... Um, I have a brother. His name is Kurt. And, uh, and I need to tell y'all about Kurt. Kurt is um, older than me. He's about three and a half years older than me. He is uh, definitely smarter than me. He's got you know, a graduate degree in mechanical engineering. He's, he's brilliant. He's better looking than me. Some say it's debatable, but you know, whatever. I'm still taller, right? Still taller. Um, which I guess I'm probably taller than a lot of people, you know, but whatever. But me and Kurt did not have the best of relationships all growing up. So we fought like cats and dogs. We were um, at each other's throats uh, constantly. And it, it wasn't until one time when we were in Kansas. So my family and I go to, go to Kansas uh, hunting as, as often as we can. But we were in Kansas and for whatever reason we were alone and, and something just set us off, right? That it could have been something simple, it could have been something big, but who knows. And in that moment, we yelled and screamed at each other and aired all of our dirty laundry and everything that we had ever felt, you know, betrayed any grievance that we had ever had towards one another. We, we said it all in that moment. And what's really ironic is that our relationship from that point on has never been better. And what I want you to connect with here is that whenever we air out everything that we concern ourselves with to a perfect God suddenly our relationship with him becomes a whole lot better because we start listening for his answers. We start listening for what he's going to say. And if we look at this passage specifically, Moses said, man, who, who am I that you're, that you're going to call me? And God's response says, well, don't worry about it because I will be with you. And that makes a connection not only to who God is, but it makes a connection to where God is. Because God didn't say, well, I'm going to stand on my, I'm going to sit on my throne. I'm going to stay up here in heaven and, and I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to watch it really close. You know, I have my binoculars and I'll, I'll keep an eye on it from here. That's not what he said. God said, I will be with you. Yeah. 
That means God's going to be present. He's going to be walking alongside Moses during all of this. So regardless of who Moses is, God says, I'm going to be there. So what does it matter? Who does it matter who, who you are? Because I'm going to be present. And then when we ask about, well, well, what does Moses know? Moses doesn't know his name. And, and I can only imagine God laughing in this, in this moment, right? Because God's like, what's my name? Like, you want, you want to know my name? God's saying, I'm talking to you through a bush, man. Like, you want to know what my name is? And, and biblical scholars for, for all, all of eternity will be, will be worrying about and, and trying to uh, figure out what he says here. But he basically gives Moses four letters and we interpret that into Yahweh. And Yahweh is a word that we really don't even understand. English doesn't say it well. Hebrew doesn't say it well. Greek doesn't say it well. None, none of these things say it very well, but it basically means everything. All things is what God is. He said, I am, I am, which means past tense, present tense, future tense, God. God is, God is all things. And so he's going, you're worried about what you know? You worry about your lack of knowledge on a thing? He said, I am. I, I am all things. I'm the, the past, present, and future, so why are you worried about what you don't know? Because I'm a, I am all of those things. I, I am, I'm wisdom beyond understanding. That's what God said that he is. And, and what, what I want you to take home with you, let's go on and flip to the next one, is that until we are willing to passionately communicate our cares to God, then we're never going to have intimate relationships. So we have to be willing to passionately communicate all of these cares to God. And he's going to answer us with something that's even greater, right? So once we, once we know all of our cares, once he casts all of his, all of our cares on him, then he's going to communicate something even greater back to us. So go to the next one. After intimacy comes the power. Intimacy creates the power. So this same Moses, this guy that's just been a shepherd, you know, been hanging out for the past 40 years, leading some sheep around. This is the exact same Moses that raises his staff over the Red Sea and it parts the waters. This is the exact same Moses that, that makes Pharaoh just shake in his boots because of all of the plagues that he cast on him. This is the exact same Pharaoh that, that touches the rock and makes water pour from the rock. It's out of this intimacy, it's out of this relationship, this close familiar relationship that Moses has with God that the power comes. So let's look back, let's look back at all of, our, all of our examples. So in Exodus, we have thousands and thousands of people are saved in a single day by the laying on of hands. When the, when the apostles preach boldly to them and lay their hands on them, then the Holy Spirit comes upon thousands of people in a single day. Power, that's the power. Philip, the guy that was sitting with the Ethiopian prince, that he said, come sit with me, right after this moment, he swept away into the air. He literally teleports from one spot to another. What about that power? Can you imagine sitting down with someone, communicating Jesus, telling them about Jesus, and suddenly being gone? Talk to me about power. That lady that had the problem with blood, she reached out and touched Jesus. And in that instant, she was healed. That's power. And not even to mention, this is the same Jesus that conquered death, that overcame the world. 
So let's talk about some practical things. Let's talk about now that we know these things, we said before that the, the intimate relationship with the perfect God has to be a prerequisite. So let's say that we have this intimate relationship with a perfect God. It's time to start focusing on intimate relationship with imperfect people. And to do that, I'm going to let Paul tell us a little bit better. Paul, in, in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16, he says, so. So now everything that I've told you, everything that you've heard from me today, so. We have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. So now that we have God's perspective, we have an intimate relationship with God, then we're looking at the world through his perspective. So we're no longer looking at humans through a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view, how differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. And all of this, that relationship, that power, the, the new life that we're talking about, all of that is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ and God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ and we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Listen to this language as he says, through us. He says, through God. He says, through Christ. I had to ask the question, uh, uh, Coy, I, I've, got to, I've got to pick on you. I'm sorry. So I had to ask the question in the first service that who is the, um, the cartoon where she speaks Spanish? Dora the Explorer. Coy came up afterwards. He goes, man, this just shows you how old I am because the first person I thought of was Speedy Gonzalez. <laughs> That's... Coy, that's funny. That's good stuff. That's a, that's a sermon illustration if I've ever heard of it. And I don't know if it was Speedy Gonzalez or if it was Dora the Explorer that said it, but one of them said, hey, we can't go around it. We can't go over it. We can't go under it. We got to go, we got to go through it. So how different of a relationship, how different of a, 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 of a word usage that it could have been, yeah, so, so we went around, we went around us or God went around us to do these things, or God went next to us, or God went under us. No, no, God went through us and we know him through Christ. It's talking about a relationship, y'all. It's talking about an intimate, close proxim proximity relationship with Christ Jesus. So he did all that for us. And if we are his ambassadors, so we, we will then do everything that we have. We become a new creation. We, we become uh, a, a, not even just a better person, but we have this better relationship so that we can then speak to people from the overflowing of that relationship, of our relationship with God. So I love practical examples. I, I love things that you can actually go and practice, um, whether it's, you know, whether it's singing better, whether it's eating better, whatever it might be, give me something, give me something pract practical. So here's your practical thing that I want you to do today. Is anybody gonna go eat lunch after this? Anybody got any plans of going eating lunch? Raise your hand, raise your hand. 
Because I'm, I'm going to remember all, I'm going to remember every single one that's got their hands up. So we got a few people going to Elma's and we're probably going to Cheddar's, probably a few Cracker Barrel folks, bless you. Probably a few folks are going, going to eat. You're going to sit down and you're going to eat. And hopefully before you eat, you're going to say a blessing. You're going to say a prayer. What I want you to do, or what I challenge you to do, instead of just simply eating your meal, when the waiter or waitress comes to your table, I want you to stop them and say, hey, we're about to pray for this meal. We're about to, we're about to ask a blessing. And we would love to know what we can pray for you. So we as Christians get a, get a bad rap. We as Christians are, are called hypocrites. Uh, we, we, we do one thing and we, and we say another. How perfect, how pure, how just ideal of an example is it for us to show the real Christianity, the real Jesus, than praying for someone that's a complete stranger. And in the handful of times that I've done this, you will be surprised at the intimate responses that you hear from someone that you've never met. Their deepest concerns, the things that are really struggling, and you start realizing that this is a human, this is a person that God loves. And I think that's what Paul is talking about, that we're not looking at people through a human point of view anymore. We're looking them through the lens of Jesus. So you start looking at everybody that you come in contact with through the lens of God, and suddenly we not only change this community, but we change the world. So here's what I want you to do. I not only want you to do that, but also challenge you, because I'm, I'm interested not only to know who actually does this, but I would love to know the stories that you get out of it. I'd love to know the blessing that not only you were able to present to that person, but also the blessings that you get from that person. If you will, I, I, my name's Caleb Hodges. I'm on Facebook, I'm on all those things. But I want you to send me a message. I want you to text me, to call me, whatever. Send me a message about what happens at lunch today. And let's change the world. Let's pray. God, this is all because of you. Nothing that we can say, nothing that we can do is even possible without your presence, God. We thank you for being close to us, for being in proximity to us, that we can touch you, that we can feel you, God. And we give you all of the glory, all of the credit for anything and any power that we could ever have in this life, God. We give you all of that glory, God. I pray for the conversations that we'll have be had at lunch today. God, I pray for those that are going to be prayed for today. God, we lift their needs and their cares and their want at your feet, God. We just raise them all up. God, I thank you for the people that are here. I thank you for their boldness and their willingness. God, your word says that people don't look at, at how smart they are, but they looked at the boldness of your apostles. God, I pray for that boldness. I pray for that courage that we can go out into all of the world and speak you and to speak your name. And it's in that name we pray, amen.